Welcome on, Sean Hyken, uh, independent award-winning reporter covering the Portland Trailblazers uh, for the Rose Garden Report. Welcome on to the DHMBA podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on. No worries. Um, and do you mind, I guess the first place to start off is, do you mind just introducing yourself to our listeners? Well, I've been covering the NBA for probably 10 or 11 years full-time at this point, I've written for a number of national outlets, including USA Today and Bleacher Report and The Athletic. And mm-hmm. I was based in Chicago for a while. I was covering the Bulls. And then I moved back to Portland, which is where I grew up. And I, for the last two seasons, this is my second season covering the Trailblazers pretty much fully independently at, at the Rose Garden Report, which is my own uh, Substack newsletter, which you can sign up for a paid subscription at rosegardenreport.com. That's kind of the 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 very, very basic notes of it. Mm-hmm. Cool. And obviously all links to your work in the Rose Garden Report will be in this episode description. Um, but yeah, just before we start talking about uh, the trade deadline that thus far has been a little bit tempered, um, how'd you get into NBA reporting? How's your, what's your journey to get into writing and, and so on? The short version is that I, you know, grew up a huge NBA fan and I was always, you know, I did, I did when I was in high school, I was like on the newspaper and I was like writing and I liked journalism. And when I, at the time that I started, uh, there was a lot of, I started at kind kind of like the golden age when I, this is when I was, this would have been when I was in college. It was like the golden age of the blog game. Mm-hmm. Which I don't I don't know how old you are or how much of this stuff you remember back when like Free Darko was a thing yeah. or you know the ESPN True Hoop networks and I started writing for Hardwood Paroxysm. Matt Moore brought me on there and mm-hmm. that kind of led to some other opportunities. And this was back when people who were writing for those sorts of blogs and websites could get you know actual gainful employment out of writing i have no idea what the path would be right now mm-hmm. for somebody who's just starting out because the industry is in such a weird place but that's the extremely short version of kind of how i ended up where i ended up mm-hmm. yeah awesome awesome it's good to hear um and i think i was reading some of your stuff um when you were with the athletic on the bulls as well so uh-huh. um, we'll obviously we'll, we'll do we'll again do all the shout outs to all your content at the end of the podcast as well but um yeah, definitely, definitely a great writer. So I appreciate the stuff that you're doing. Appreciate um, that. But yeah, let's let's get into it. So this episode talking about the Portland Trailblazers. Um, trade deadline is in a couple of hours, maybe less than 24 hours. I'm, I'm not sure on my American time zones, but um, what's, what's the situation from your view with the Portland Trailblazers at the moment, just ahead of the deadline? Honestly, I right now, I don't really think they have a whole lot of anything going on, at least at least as it stands right now, obviously something could change, but mm-hmm. the two guys that have kind of been having their names come up the most as far as, you know, I mean, we, we all consume all the same NBA content. We all read the same websites. We all listen to the same podcasts. And so there's like a general list of like 50 or whatever mm. names that are like always seen as like, Oh, these are the trade candidates. These are the trade targets. The two guys, with Portland that have uh, come up most consistently on those sorts of uh, platforms have been Jeremy Grant and Malcolm Brogdon. And mm-hmm. the as far as Jeremy Grant is concerned, I, you know, I've done reporting on this. Other folks have as well. They are not interested in trading Jeremy Grant. Like, I think there was this idea that, 
you know, they re-signed him to this big contract. And as soon as Damian Lillard asked for a trade and they were going to be rebuilding, every rebuilding team has to trade away any good player they have that's over the age of 22 and is making more Mm. than like a veteran's minimum or a rookie contract and Mm -hmm. should only have young players and, and, you know, prospects on their team. They don't view Jeremy Grant as somebody that they're looking to get off of the money or any anything like that at least for right now they like having him as a veteran influence and also frankly they just they want to have good basketball players on the team so Mm. jeremy grant i don't think is really going to factor into anything and malcolm brogdon i would kind of lean as of right now towards him not being moved i think it's still a possibility and i Mm -hmm. know that's somebody that a lot of teams have called on because you would think that a lot of teams, you know, who are trying to make a playoff push could use a, you know, a steady, reliable veteran point guard like that who is good on both sides of the ball and is also under contract for next year. So they're getting calls on that. I don't think they're really interested in basically the types of of, of offers that you would expect where it's just like, you know, salary filler and a first round pick in this upcoming draft, which First of all, they already have two first-round picks in this draft, and it's also seen as not the greatest draft. So I don't think that's something that's really moving them in in that way. I think I think they're more interested if they're if they're going to trade any of these guys. I think right now they're more interested in players than they are picks. And by players, I mean guys who are maybe you know twenty-five and under who are actually you know either proven or high-end prospects, as opposed to like. Like last year at the deadline, they basically took like flyers on guys like Cam Reddish and Kevin Knox, who were probably not going to stick. But they said, you know, this is a lost season. Let's just try them out. Mm. Now they have so many of their own young guys that they actually like and are invested in developing. It's not like they really feel like they're in a position to uh, do, you know, just throw guys out there who are maybe fighting to stay in the league or playing for a contract or something like that. I don't think that's something they're really looking to do. And then the other thing I think that, could factor into this is the news that came out yesterday that Shade Sharp, who's one of their most important uh, young guards that they're building around, is going to have a core muscle surgery, which is the same surgery that Damian Lillard had a few years ago and a couple of other guys on the team have had it in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And they haven't given a timetable for his return because he hasn't had the surgery yet. But I personally am operating under the assumption that he's probably going to be done for the season. That's just my own guesswork based on having seen that surgery play out and how the rehab goes. I'm guessing he's probably not going to play again this season. And at that point, you know, you got to play somebody. So you've been, so if you don't love any of the offer from Malcolm Brogdon, I think they might as well just hang on and delay it until the summer. And cause I feel like if the offers are just like a not great first round pick and salary filler, he's under contract for another year. You can get that kind of deal in the summer. I think So mm-hmm. that's, kind of where those two guys stand yeah and we saw um when Portland did try to trade for him it was off the off the pistons and it was that bucks first round pick which i thought was quite low for jeremy grant and i was like oh okay this dude's like yeah b and d ish maybe he's, he's best yeah. positions defending fours but like that bucks pick you know it's in the late 20s so it's like what's portland going to do with the with the late 20s pick um especially if you've already got two picks we know how hard it has been in recent years to bundle multiple first round picks to trade up because the high picks right. are just more valuable. But um, going back to Jeremy Grant there a little bit, I heading into this offseason, um, he, sorry, heading into this trade deadline, I was like, oh, well, that's a piece that you could flip, blah, blah, blah. And then I started reading a little bit more and it was, um, there was there were some reports 
coming out saying, can I just say also, when I was writing this run sheet, whenever I do a run sheet with myself or Dante, whoever I do the podcast with, we always write the news and then just who has the news. So we can always give a, uh-huh. a hat tip there. It was pretty cool writing hat tip Sean hiking for this Jeremy Green is happy <laughs> in Portland. Like, ah, oh, that's the dude yeah. coming on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, well, I've gotten to know Jeremy quite well over the last two years that he's been in Portland and I've been covering him and he's, yeah, I mean, he, he here's the thing. Most people assume, and you have to remember, Jeremy is a guy, and this is not any kind of a value judgment at all on a guy, but you you most people assume that any player is just 100% consumed with, I have to go play for a contender no matter what. Mm-hmm. You have to remember that Jeremy Grant left a Denver team that had just made the Western Conference Finals to take basically the same money to play in Detroit because he wanted a bigger role when Detroit mm-hmm. was rebuilding. Mm. And then, you know, he kind of wanted to go to Portland because Dame brought him there. But the way, you know, with Jeremy as of right now, kind of where things stand with him, you know, he got paid. He's getting plenty of shots. And he also, from like the personal standpoint, he just had his first kid over the summer. And so I don't think he's Mm. really dying to move his family in the middle of the season. That's not to say that they couldn't maybe talk about doing something in the offseason, but. Mm-hmm. You know, if both sides decide it makes sense, but I don't think right now either side is operating from a standpoint of, oh, you know, he's they're trying to move him or he's trying to get somewhere else. I think for right now, both sides are happy with just uh, continuing to have him in Portland and have him be kind of one of the veterans. And the other thing about it is that the Brogdon stuff made a lot of sense as far as that it being rumored that he was maybe going to be on the trade block because who are their most important guys that they're building around in this rebuild? Scoot Henderson, who's a guard. Shaden mm-hmm. Sharp, who's a guard. Anthony Simons, who's a guard. So it would make sense that maybe Malcolm Brogdon is somebody that could be sort of expendable if you can get something for him from a better team at the at the deadline. Obviously, that's a little bit less now because with this Shaden Sharp injury, it makes, makes a little bit more sense to keep Brogdon. But mm-hmm. you look at their roster and you look at kind of these young guys that they have, Jeremy Grant is not blocking anybody's minutes mm-hmm. that really needs them. Like it's not, it's not like Jeremy Grant is here and they have this, you know, guy that they spent a high draft pick on who's also a power forward that is just not mm-hmm. getting minutes because of that. Like I that's not that's not really the dynamic that's at play yeah. with with Jeremy. Yeah, definitely. And and one thing that I, I sort of like about keeping Jeremy is that I really like when you've got a young point guard like in Portland situation with Scoot, it's really nice just to have a pick and roll partner or just someone you can pass the ball to. Like I think a really good example is in Memphis. I'm not the biggest Jonas Valanciunas fan, but at least like with Ja Morant, when he was uh, you know, first year, first year point guard in the league, he's at least got Jonas who knows how to catch a ball and knows how to finish a layup, right? Um, mm-hmm. And like LaMelo Ball might not have the best finishes on his team and like LaMelo is still exceeding as a point guard. But just imagine if he had a guy who I don't know, I don't know about JV's like long-term potential in, uh, you know, as a, as a, the starting center on a contending team, but just as, just as a rookie point guard or a young point guard, just being able to pass the ball to someone. And so for Scoot, who's been coming on a lot more in the, in the second half of the season, second half of the first half of the season, um, it's good having guys like that and and DeAndre Aiden to a lesser impact as well, but just having a guy like Jeremy Grant, where it's like, you're going to pass him the ball. He scored 20 points per game before, you know, that he's going to be able to do something with it as opposed to having two pieces sort of, you know, you're, you're up in the air with both with both pieces. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the thing about this. That's the thing about the way that they're approaching this rebuild from everybody in the organization and in the front office that I've talked to. They, they, and they, and when I say like they want to have veterans on the team, this isn't just like the locker room and advice stuff that you kind of hear about. This becomes sort of a cliche when it comes to that sort of stuff. But 
they have these young guys that they are investing so much in in the future, whether it be Scoot Henderson or Shaden Sharp or whoever. They want to have those guys be playing in situations where there are stakes. And I mean, obviously, they're not going to make the playoffs this year or probably next year either. But they want to have these guys not just they don't want to be the process Sixers and they don't want to be, you know, what Detroit is this year or what Washington is this year where they're just throwing these young guys out there. (laughs) Right, throwing these young guys out there who are totally out of their depth, and it's just like, well, they're getting a lot of minutes, they're getting a lot of reps. That just means that they're going to get better. You look at what happens, you know, you look at what happened in Houston last year. They're basically their whole roster was kids, and it was a disaster. And so then they spent a ton of money to bring in Fred Van Vliet and to bring in Dylan Brooks and just just to have a little bit of competence and have a little bit of mm. adults, you know, in the in the room and good you know frankly just good basketball players who Mm -hmm. can you know be out there with these young guys because these young guys are going to get better if they're playing with good players and so they feel like you know we already have jeremy grant who's a you know 20 point a game scorer we already have malcolm brogdon who's a pretty you know reliable veteran point guard who can play on the ball or off the ball and you know has been they feel like he's been really good for scoot's development so i I don't get the set. I, I don't think they want to take any, like, I think they've taken, obviously when you trade Damian Lillard, who's a all NBA guy perennially and the top 75 player of all time, when you trade a guy like that, you're taking a pretty big step back as far as coming into the season, thinking you're going to be competitive for the playoffs. That's obviously not where they are now. I think they've taken all the steps back that they want to take. I don't think they want to take more steps back. I think they want to, you know, use the rest of the season to look at, you know, scoot some of these other young guys, see what they've got, and then try to add to that as opposed to saying, well, we're going to go into next season and also try to be one of the worst teams in the league so we can get another good draft pick. I think they're kind of, I think they're kind of at the point where they, they more want to, like I said, when they're trade, you know, if they were to trade any of these veterans, they're more interested in players than they are in picks. So that's kind of where their mindset Mm -hmm. is right now. You want to talk WNBA? Maybe some WNBL? Australian Opals chat? Heck, even dabble in some EuroLeague? Find the W Basketball Show on the Deep Two Podcast Network. The Jeff and Gundy Tribute Show is your fortnightly dose of the lighter side of basketball, hosted by me, Marco. And me, Lucas. We take a more laid-back approach, talking about the NBA, the WNBA, FIBA basketball, culture, whatever tickles our fancy or grinds our gears. The show is filled with great guests, classic gags, and a healthy dose of tangents in honour of the great man himself. The Jeff Van Gundy Tribute Show, fortnightly on the Deep Two Podcast Network. You know, loves just talking about the league, certain things like that. Mm-mm, yeah, definitely. I, I read somewhere that they would... Uh... Portland's sort of interested in having like that Houston rebuild where it's like, look, they've got their guys, they've got their blue chip prospects and Scruton and Shaden and so on. Um, and next year, instead of bringing in a Fred Van Vliet and bringing in a Dylan Brooks, you've sort of already got them on the roster like a Jeremy Grant, right. like a Malcolm Brogdon. Is that sort of, uh, are, you, are you getting that vibe from the front office that they sort of maybe want to make a leap into the play in next year? Or is it sort of just wait and see how it goes? I don't think they're going to make because I think they don't they don't want to shortcut anything. Mm-hmm. I think they would be, I I I I've gotten the sense that they're not going to mess with the you know do what they do, they've done the last couple of years where they're like manipulating the lottery standings and just like not playing any of their guys and playing Gleers to move back in the lottery or to move mm-hmm. back up into like higher in the lottery. I don't think they're going to go out and suddenly, you know, 
trade three first round picks for a guy to think that, oh, you know, we're, you know, who I, I'm like, I'm trying to think of an example of a, of a team that's like, 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 I don't think they're yet in a position where they would do something like what Indiana just did adding Pascal Siakam. I mm. think they're maybe a year or two away from thinking about doing that kind of thing. But I think as far as next year, I don't think there's any sort of thing of we have to make the playoffs or we have to make the play. And I don't think they would be upset if they did make the playoffs, Mm -hmm. but I don't think they're going to be actively saying, Oh, we have to do that this year. We have to be in the play. And I think, I think, you know, especially with with next year's draft being seen as much stronger than this year's draft there, they would be perfectly happy to have a lottery pick next year, but they also are not going to be mad at, if they were to somehow make a play in push, I don't think they're, mm-hmm. I don't think they would think that's a huge setback or anything or that that's mm-hmm. too rushed or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Look, completely agree. Um, moving on from the trade deadline, just this, uh, this current season and, and yourself covering the Portland Trailblazers, how has it been? And we'll start off with Scoot Henderson. How's it been um, covering a guy coming into the league, having a bit of a, well, let's, let's just call it a slow start, but then really ramping up in the, in the past couple of weeks, how's it been covering Scoot? And have you got any sort of, inside uh inside information about what he's like as a person i mean I, I myself have never spoken to him so um any tidbits there you could share well scoot's a great kid just first of all like great personality <laughs> super positive energy all the time just always you know he just he comes in he's always smiling he's just very he's just you know very 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 infectious like energy that he kind of has mm-hmm. about him and you know all the stuff you hear about him behind the scenes is you know puts in the work, good teammate, guys like him, mm-hmm. coachable, all that kind of stuff. And actually the thing that I really have enjoyed about, you know, covering him and following him this year is he's on, like he posts on his Instagram story all the time and he posts like highlights, but he mostly is not posting his own highlights. He's posting like his friends highlights or his team. Like he's posting like other guys on the team. Like he'll post like a shade and sharp dunk highlight with like the head exploding emoji or something. Or like <laughs> he'll post like, like he was posting like during the summer, he was posting like Matisse Thibel and Duop Reith's uh, Australian national team uh, highlights, or he was posting like Dyson Daniels' highlights because they played together on the G Ignite. Like he's all about like hyping guys up and is is just like, is a really good teammate in that way. And mm-hmm. again, just from a personal standpoint, and I've gotten to know him a little bit, but you know, great kid, great personality, all that kind of stuff. The on the court stuff, like you mentioned, has been kind of, slow to catch up he started out i mean i like he would tell you this too he was he was we don't need a sugar coat he was terrible the first mm. you know, month of the season I mean, he had an ankle injury for it looks like a little bit of a, like a yeah. part of it but it was pretty rough early on which you would kind of and i have been kind of trying to caution people about this all all summer which was that you know point guard is the hardest position to play in the nba mm. to learn it at the nba level and i think people like like people who are fans of the team that I cover the last time they had a heavily hyped rookie point guard was Damian Lillard, who was really, really good his his rookie season and came in pretty much a finished product and won rookie of the year and was awesome right away. People mm-hmm. forget that Dame was a four year college player and was 22 when he came into the league. That's a lot different than coming into the league at 19. And, you know, he played in the G league, which is against professionals, but first of all, it's a lot fewer games and also just, the physicality of it. And I have, I've been going to a lot of these G league games because the Blazers actually have a G league team now. And mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, they played against the ignite 
which is the team in the G League that Scoot played for, which is like the elite prospects kind mm-hmm. of development lab team. They have a couple of guys who are projected top 10 picks this year with Ron Holland and Modest Bazelis. And seeing it in person, it is the physicality uh, that these guys are exposed to playing for like the G League Ignite and playing against other G League teams is not at all on the same level as what you're going to get in the NBA and the speed and Mm -hmm. any of that stuff. So it was going to take some time for Scoot to kind of get used to it. You're starting to see, and he's not all the way there yet, but you're starting to see, you know, the stuff slowing down for him. You're starting to see the decision-making being a little bit better. You're starting to see him get to his spots more comfortably. You're, you're, you're starting to see some things. And again, this is also another reason why I think they're going to, unless they are overwhelmed with an offer in the next 16 hours, they're, going to probably end up keeping Malcolm Brogdon is because Mm. they have liked Scoot coming off the bench. I mean, obviously long-term you would hope that a guy you take with the number three overall pick is going to be a starter, but for this Mm. year, they have, they have felt like him coming off the bench and getting to kind of see the game develop for the first five or six minutes before coming in. And then, uh, you know, and, and then also, uh, getting to play against, uh, you know, other teams, bench players as opposed to you know coming in and like you got to guard you know Kyrie Irving or you got to guard Russell Westbrook or you got to guard whoever yeah, from the first like, shot I th- I think they felt like that has uh like they that's been beneficial for him and I think that's something they want to keep doing the mm. rest of the year and then but I but I think I think I mean obviously people on social media or or in some of these on some of these media outlets or podcasts or whatever are going to overreact to anything. You know, you after 10 games, there were people like, Oh, scoots a bust. Or like, you see that kind of stuff. And mm. I think they've seen from what I've ta- I've asked people in the organization, everybody is pretty happy with where things are right now compared mm-hmm. to where they were at the end of the season. And they feel like, you know, down the stretch after the all-star break, they're going to see more growth from him. And then, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. But I think, I think overall it has been slow. It's been up and down, but I think people are happy with where it's at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's a little bit of a, a downside of having such a saturated media market, I guess, for basketballs, because the start of the season just means so much. I mean, I guess yeah. at the start of the season it does, but a lot of people will set their, uh, expectations or, or set their you know decisions on a player in the first 10 games and they go oh, well, there's that photo of um when scoot was chasing down russell westbrook and he's just like you know it just looks like a fanboy like oh my god i can't believe i'm playing on the same basketball court as russell westbrook which is like that's exactly what you want from your rookies like it's it's pretty awesome what you get to do um but then uh-huh. i feel like the, the he sort of had that negative stigma from then on moving forwards and that's taken a lot of good games positive basketball to come out of that a bit and yeah, it's it is a little bit of a downside, but I think like the second half of the season, it, sh- it should be great yeah. with or without Malcolm Brogdon. I think the other part of some of the back or the 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 negativity is that because the Blazers went into the draft basically hoping that they could use the pick to trade for somebody to put next to Dame, mm. and then not only were they not able to get a deal like that done, but they they used the pick to draft a player that played Dame's position. And that directly led to Dame requesting a trade. Mm, mm. Then suddenly it's not just, oh, they drafted this point guard who's, you know, seen as a really promising prospect and he's 19, but it could take some time, but he could be really good. Now it's, they drafted Damian Lillard's replacement and pushed the all-time franchise leading scorer out of town because mm, of this guy. Mm. So this guy better also be a Hall of Famer. 
<laughs> I think yeah. is where a lot of that. And then, and then especially when you look at kind of how ugly a lot of the stuff got this summer with the leaks and just kind of the way the trade requests and all that stuff played out and the, the Miami thing and all of that, like you, like there was a lot of like, okay, well they pushed Dame out basically. Well, Dame requested a trade because they drafted this guy. So this guy better be, better be good. And so when he mm-hmm. isn't in the first like five games of the season, then it becomes, you know, it becomes this whole other thing. I think, I think the more time that passes from that, I think people have been able to look at Scoot. It's, it's kind of the same, the same way that like, you know, what DeAndre Ayton had to deal with in Phoenix and his season mm-hmm. has been pretty up and down here. You know, he's been, he's been really, really good the last couple of weeks, but it, you know, it's been up and down before that. But when he was in Phoenix, you know, there was all, first of all, like there was all the weird stuff with Monty Williams or whatever. And, you know, some of those mm-hmm. playoff series, but as long as he was in Phoenix, he was always going to be the guy that they drafted instead of Luca. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't matter how good he was or wasn't or what he did or the fact that they made the finals in like his third year in the league and he was the starting center. Mm. They could have drafted Luca. And with Scoot, it's kind of at least early on, I feel at least I feel like it was kind of the same thing of of Dame requested a trade because they drafted this guy. So this guy better be as good as Dame to justify that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he's a 19 year old kid learning how, how to, yeah. how to play the toughest position in the league. It wasn't going to happen right away. And I, yeah. I think long-term scoot is, is going to be fine. And, yeah. you know, just like going back to some of the Pearl stuff, like you can just, he has a good head on his shoulders and he puts the work in and he has a good, like he gets really down on himself when he has a bad game, but he's not like, mm-hmm. like he's, he's, He's going to be the first one to tell like, oh, I had too many turnovers in this game or I didn't shoot well in this game. Like he doesn't he and he and he has handled coming off the bench fine. Like he's he's you know, he seems totally you know fine with that. And it's at least for right now, as far as a developmental thing, he's not coming in saying like I was a number three overall pick. I have to start like he, mm-hmm. he understands kind of the process, at least from the sense that I've gotten from talking to him about it. And he you know, he watches a ton of film and he puts the work in and tries you know, is, is really, you know, I think he, I think he's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I agree as well. I think he will be fine as well. It is nineteen years old, hardest position in the league, and yeah, for he's well, he's twenty to- now. He turned twenty okay. over the weekend, yeah, so yeah. technically he's not a teenager anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, just yeah, moving moving on a little bit there. You you mentioned Damian Lillard, and I know this is not the run sheet, but as a dude who I assume you rooted for Portland growing up, uh, coming from Portland. What was it like going through the whole? And feel free to not answer this question if you don't want to, as a as an independent reporter. But what was it like going through that whole uh, trade request and the whole process? And obviously, we know that it was right up until pretty much training camp that he got traded to Milwaukee. What was that like as a fan and as a reporter? Well, I grew up a Blazers fan when I was a kid, but you know, when you're when you've done this professionally as long as I have, you kind of the fan, the personal fandom of a team and. You know, and then, and then and you also like throw in the I, the fact that like I also covered the Bulls for four mm-hmm. years, so it's like it's not like it, like the 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 fan part of it hasn't it really existed for me for a long time. So okay. that there's that part of it, but uh, honestly, man, this summer was just more annoying to me than anything else because like mm-hmm. I, you know, you understand why the trade request happened because he mm-hmm. wanted to contend. He really wanted to stay here and he wanted to contend, but it became clear that they weren't going to do that. And he decided he wanted to go somewhere else. That's totally reasonable on his part. But I think that the way that 
everything unfolded where there was this, you know, the week that he requests the trade, there's all this, you know, these, you know, his people are putting out all this, like he only wants to go to one place. There's only one team he's willing to go to. And mm. meanwhile, those of us who, you know, I know Dame quite well and, you know, have covered him for a long time and all this stuff that, you know, his people were putting out there about like, if he gets traded to another team, he is not going to show up to camp. He's going to pull a James. And, you know, anybody who knows Dame at all is like rolling their eyes at that because that's just never been who he is. But hmm. but really, like this whole the whole offseason was, you know, there was that whole, you know, there was the first week where he requests the trade and suddenly all this stuff is coming out about like where he wants to go. And then basically nothing happened until. Two or three days before training camp, when they mm-hmm. finally gets traded to Milwaukee and. So then there's a whole summer's worth of just nothing is happening. There aren't really any talks going on, or at least that you know about. You come to find out later they had been talking to Milwaukee for a while and it just hadn't gotten out. And mm. one of the conditions of the talks was for it not to get out because I think the Bucks were very sensitive to the idea that Drew Holiday would hear that he was in a trade rumor and he would react a certain way to that given his importance to that franchise. But mm-hmm. for our purposes... There was no and like Portland and Miami like didn't talk all summer, but there was still all of these different things that were coming out that were like, well, Miami might have upped their offer to this. And it's like they haven't talked about why <laughs> people like and it's those things where it's just like there's a whole summer's worth of just and, you know, also just given some of the fan base dynamics that I've been able to observe things got. And I tried, I personally try to stay above this stuff as much as possible. Mm-hmm. My buddy, Danny Morang, who's one of the other guys that covers the team. He's a radio guy here. Mm-hmm. He was, he was spending the whole summer, like getting into it with people and getting into it with Miami fans. <laughs> getting it into, I love, I, like, I love, I love the guy. And like, but like, and he'll be the first to tell you, like he, he, he likes to mix it up a little bit. I was, I was just kind of trying to stay, you know, stay back and yeah, just kind yeah. of stay above that stuff as much as possible. Cause like, there's nothing really to gain from getting into it on Twitter with some yeah. guy, who, like <laughs> the guy what, with, like, the, with the Damien Lillard Photoshop Jersey in his profile picture. Like you just know, you know, <laughs> right. It's like, it. okay. Like, like what is, what is that? What is that doing? Like, that's not, that's not, that's not the other, the other part of it that I thought was really funny was like, I said, I think at one point I said on a podcast that, when I was just, I forget what podcast it was on, but I was a guest on someone's podcast mm-hmm. and I was talking, we were just kind of talking through the stuff that Miami had to offer, which Portland was never interested in just to talk through it. But we were just talking through like, you know, what they had. And I had heard because, you know, we get to go to all these pre-draft workouts during the draft process, like when they bring guys in for workouts. Mm-hmm. They brought Jaime Jaquez in for a workout. And from everything I had heard, he killed his workout here and they really liked him. I'm sure he did. Like he's killing it in the league. Well, right. But he, but like, but like there's a, you know, there's a difference between, you know, somebody having a really good workout and being kind of a high floor, you know, mid teens draft pick and Mm. being, you know, somebody that's like the centerpiece of a Damian Lillard trade. But so, But but anyway, and also I don't think he was ever offered by Miami, but that's a whole oh, yeah. I, that's a whole other thing. But but like my my point my point being like I said I said on a, I just said, I literally just said in passing on a podcast that I had heard that Jaime Hawkins had a really good workout when he was here in Portland. That's all I said, and some Miami account like saw that heard that podcast, clipped that part of it, 
and it became report. Blazers are demanding Jaime Jaquez in a Damian Lillard trade. And then I get like, I get, you know, then like I start getting these replies that are like, you just killed Portland's leverage by saying they liked Jaime Hawkins. Now they can't act like Miami doesn't have good stuff. And I'm just like, <laughs> nothing I say or write is going to have any, like, I promise you that these, I mean, this is one of these things that like, I kind of, and I, I hate to, like, this is one of these things where like, I have to remember that pe- most people aren't as like in it as as I am or that you are as, as somebody who like does a, you know, podcast or, like in the media space. Most of these people are just like fans and don't know how mm. this stuff works. And I have to like be mindful of that. But it's like, I promise you GMs are not like on Twitter looking at fans like trade machine proposals and being like, you know what? That's a good idea. Like I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to go do that now. Like, or, or like, Oh, I'm not going to trade for this guy because this one person said on a podcast, they think that they like this guy or that they don't like this guy or like, 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 people like I have no influence over whether mm-hmm. any tra- like th- that's that's the thing that I think people like I report what I hear and in some cases give an opinion about something but I those of a lot of you know in most cases there are you know a few people that do have the ability to influence outcomes yeah, but yeah. I do not I have no impact or influence on whether a trade happens or not it does not matter whether I think something is a good trade or something mm-hmm. or this guy is worth this much money like these teams have their own processes they have their own I mean people get paid a hell of a lot more money than I do to make these decisions they are not taking my opinion or your opinion or anybody else's opinion into account and so that, that's mm-hmm. it was just but it was just like a whole summer of that kind of stuff with like people going back and forth at each other about stuff and meanwhile nothing was actually happening happening and yeah. talks didn't really pick up with anywhere until like a week before training camp started and then mm. he gets traded to milwaukee and then you know the he puts out the thank you letter and then the chris haynes piece comes out which is like the dame spin of it and then the woge piece comes out which is the portland front office spin of it mm-hmm. and then that's a whole thing and then but meanwhile they still haven't done the drew holiday part of the trade yet and yeah. then they do the drew holiday trade where they get back uh you know a couple more picks and malcolm yeah. brogdon and robert williams and like just you know and then and then you know two days after that training camp starts so i know actually you know it wasn't even two days because like i'm pretty sure i'm i'm i might be remembering this but i'm pretty sure on the on sunday uh october 1st was when the drew holiday trade happens and then monday the second was media day so it's like you you know you 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 can't even catch your breath from like it happened so late in the summer Mm. that like you can't even catch your breath from uh this trade that everybody's been talking about all summer and there was no activity on at all finally happens. Mm -hmm. And then it happens. And now suddenly you have to turn around and the team that I'm covering has like 10 new players that I have to like, okay, I got to try to get to know this guy. I got to read up on this guy. And some Mm -hmm. of them, you know, quite a bit about like a Deandre Ayton or, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, who's been in the league for a long time. And then some guys like, like Tumani Kamara, who I thought was just like a throw in in that from the Phoenix end. But then I, you know, I went back and looked and like, I have a list of guys that they brought in for draft workouts and they did bring him in for a workout during the pre-draft process. So I think he was somebody that was on their radar. And so now it's like, okay, like, I don't really know anything about him. So now I'm going to go, you know, look and look, you know, try to do some research and try to figure out what this guy's deal is. And and, Mm. and it's just like, it's been, it's actually funny. So like a week ago, Dame, it was actually exactly a week ago, Dame came back to Portland for the first time with the Bucks. Yeah. And that was the first time because 
like I just said, the trade happened like immediately before training camp. And then you immediately are just like fully in like new season, yeah, mode, yeah, new yeah. season mode, training camp mode. Now I have to just focus on all these guys that are in front of me and getting to know them and, you know, yeah. figuring them out and all that kind of stuff. You really don't have that much time to, you know, if Dame had gotten traded in like the middle of July or the, or like August or something, and then there's a whole month left to go before the start of training camp, then I think there would have been a lot more of like looking back and, you know, for me as a writer, you, you, then you do like, Oh, you know, the mm. 10 greatest Damian Lillard moment or like yeah, what yeah, he meant yeah, to yeah. the city or whatever. Like yeah. you do all that stuff. Didn't really have any time to do that stuff because training camp was like about mm -hmm. to start when the trade happened. Yeah. And so now it's like, you know, he comes back and now it's like suddenly, you know, now you think about like, oh, yeah, this guy was here for 11 years and he was the franchise's all-time leading scorer and, you know, also a guy that, you know, a lot of people loved and did a lot of stuff in the community. And it, yeah, it was a big deal when he, that from him coming back and all, and all that kind of stuff. So now, mm -hmm. so it was, I'll say this, I'm glad, I'm glad that summer is over. I think, <laughs> and I think ultimately both the Blazers and Dame ended up in a good enough spot Mm -hmm. for what they were trying to do but i i hope i don't have to go through something like that again anytime yeah. it's very like it's very annoying as a, as a as somebody who covers a team yeah 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 and from a content point of view you go from having that farewell dame article and like you know the top 10 moments to all of a sudden yeah you've got all the training camp news you're trying to break break down two massive trades so then i guess a little bit of a gift that it did happen uh, you know, in, in, mm -hmm. in late January where you can have that farewell and you know, welcome right. back Dame, but also goodbye Dame. But yeah, that, that would have but been. But also hectic. as far as the, as far as the content side of it too, like in the summer, like there was nothing to write about all summer, unless <laughs> you wanted to just lean into talking about every single one of the rumors that's out yeah. there or the leaks about the Miami trade offer or him saying he wouldn't go to camp with another, like and I personally, like, I'm not really into just like leaning into that type of stuff. Yeah, it's just yeah. never really been what I do. But then, so then there's a whole, but then the, the other thing is like Portland basically did not do anything else that summer as far as mm. moves or signings or anything, because everything was on hold until they saw what direction the Dame stuff took as far as what they got back in the trade. And then you fill in, you know, what you have to fill in. Yeah. So it was a whole summer of trying to find stuff to write about. And there was, and you know, this is the biggest story in the league. The whole summer was Damian Lillard is mm. requesting a trade. And people were asking me like, oh, this must be great for your subs. This must be great for business. And it's like, well, not really, because there's <laughs> nothing to say about it. Like he requests a trade. He wants to go to a specific place. The team that he wants to go to doesn't really have stuff that Portland likes. Mm -hmm. That stuff was all true on July 1st. And, you know, that stuff continued to be true all summer. So it's like there's nothing to talk about. So mm -hmm. it was a, it was a struggle to find stuff to get, you know, to get through <laughs> that summer as far as like a content standpoint without just rehashing the same stuff everybody else has been talking about and just mm -hmm. when there's no new information or no new developments about anything. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, well, yeah, moving forward, looking at the future of the Portland Trailblazers, um, I guess like. Again, anything could change if there's a massive offer that comes in that just blows Portland away. You know, the roster might look different tomorrow morning, but we're going to assume, and I think that's correctly to assume that nothing will change in, in a major way. Um, what would you say are some of the goals for the Blazers? And what are you hearing are some of the goals for the Blazers moving forwards with this season? Well, they just want to see continued development and improvement from some of their younger guys. I mean, obviously, Scoot is the main guy that we've talked about, but some of their other guys like uh 
like they, you know, they, they really like, uh, and he's just started playing more recently, but Chris Murray, who was their number uh, 23 mm. overall pick. Yeah, his first start the other day, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And he's, so that's, a, that's a guy that I think, you know, he's been playing in the G league and, you know, he's one of these, he's one of these guys that I think like, has, you know, he's looked more comfortable and, you know, since he started playing in the G league. And then the other one, the guy that I, I personally would like to see play more, and he actually, you might be a little bit familiar with him being in Australia because he played it for the New Zealand Breakers last year. He's French. His name is Ryan Rupert. Mm, mm. And he, you know, he he's like a he's like a two three, and like he kind of long, like he's super super raw. So like long term, he it's, has it's crazy how long his arms are. <laughs> well, right, but he's super raw. Like he has, you know, but like long term, I think he has like they 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 think he has a lot of like three and D wing upside mm. and. He's a guy that I think is an, is another guy like he was terrible at summer league because again he's 19 he was just mm. totally out of his depth but he's been playing 30 minutes the game in the G League and he's been getting a lot better and getting a lot more comfortable so I think they're hoping that there's an opportunity to kind of turn him loose in some of these late season games and actually see what he looks that's going to be the thing that's interesting about this season because you probably are going to get to the point towards the end of the season where they're shutting down guys like Jeremy Grant and DeAndre Ayton and Malcolm Brogdon and some of the veteran guys to give their younger guys more looks mm-hmm. and stuff. But it's going to be it's so it's going to be so much different this year because last year there were basically no guys that were playing in those games that were actually it's like just Shaden Sharp and Jabari Walker who were just playing in mm-hmm. were the guys that they actually viewed as like guys that they want to build around long term. Literally the rest of those games were Signing G-leaguers, like, they had, like, 10 guys on hardship contracts because they made up injuries for all their veterans, and so there was literally no point in watching those games because none of the guys that were even playing had any kind of future. Right, exactly. Now it's like they have six rookies that they are all – all of whom are guys that they actually like and want to keep playing and developing. They Mm -hmm. have a couple of second-year guys, so it's like I think for – for myself covering it, it's going to be more interesting. And I certainly would hope for fans, it's going to be more interesting that, you know, they may be shutting down their veterans and knowing that they're going to lose a lot of these games, but at least the guys that are going to be playing and these young guys are going to be out there are at least guys, you know, are going to still be here next year and are mm. still going to be around. So I think that's at least going to make it a little bit more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, And, and one of the dudes that, uh, you can you can shed a little bit more light on this for me, but Skylar Mays um, had pretty much a very very long cup of coffee with Portland Trailblazers. Um, uh-huh. He was waived earlier in the season, and he was playing quite yeah. well. Um, yeah, roster reasons, but I thought he was good enough to keep. Do you do you know why they didn't decide to keep him? Just money flexibility. <laughs> okay. like that was it. Was like it was like right before the rosters became fully guaranteed, and okay, okay, just, okay. they wanted okay. to keep the they wanted to keep the flexibility open that's all that was and he's he's on a two-way with the lakers now yeah i i love skyler he's a you know solid third point guard and also just a great dude like Mm. one of the nicest guys i've ever i've ever covered so i was i was personally a little bit bummed when they when they let him yeah that was just a roster flexibility thing and so you know we'll see what happens tomorrow if they trade if they trade somebody and have to take back multiple players they have a couple of open roster spots and then they have to fill another you know they, they're no matter what they have to fill another roster spot and i think the way that they're going to do that and you know another australian guy is duop reith who's on mm. a two-way contract and has been pretty much really been their well. backup center he's yeah he's really good he's also a, i don't know if you watched that video that matisse thibel posted i of, did yeah uh, the, the vlog on uh, matisse thibel 
<laughs> well, just like WAP's whole story and like like talking like, awesome. but like he's somebody that he's somebody they like and he's somebody they you know they they want to keep around. So I would and he's going to hit the fifty game limit for the two way guys. So mm. no matter what, after the deadline, they're going to convert his because they have to because he's going to hit the limit. They're going to yeah, convert yeah, yeah. him from a two way to a full NBA contract. So that's at least one. Even if they don't do anything at the deadline, that's at least one move that is definitely coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and moving on a little bit more opinion based, you've got two boomers on your uh, on the roster that you cover, Matisse Tybal and Joao Braith. How do you think mm-hmm. Australia is going to go? We were quite disappointing in the World Cup, but how do you think we're going to go? And again, be kind. This is an Australian based podcast. How do you think we're going to go at the Olympics? Are we going to get a medal again? So who's on? So who's playing? Because Tease, so if we assume that Tease and Whopper both going to be playing, then you've yeah, got what? Dyson Daniels. Dyson uh, Daniels, who really needs to really get minutes. Uh, we uh-huh. we weren't, and hopefully we will, this this tournament. Um, Josh uh-huh. Giddy, um, assuming he can still yeah. play, Josh Giddy will well, be the starting point yeah. guard. Uh, no comment on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not going to touch that, but yeah. Um, and Josh Green. Josh Green would be the fifth starter there. Um, that's a lot of small guards and maybe small wings. Uh, we've got some great NBL players like Chris Goulding's always going to get a roster spot and he can just hit as many threes as you want um, in the five minutes that he plays in all of these international tournaments. But where where does that stack up in your eyes against the rest of the world? Well, we'll see who's playing where. I mean, I think it, it, sound, it sounds like the US team is going to have all the heavy hitters come like LeBron is do, talking do you, about. Do you, think that's, do you think that's going to happen? Because we, we sort of hear this every year, but uh, are they going to come? I think they are because it's the Olympics and because it's uh, it's you know like it you know LeBron's at the end of his near the end of his career. I think he wants to him and Steph want to go you know one last like I, I suppose. But uh, I mean Canada's obviously really interesting with mm. with SGA and Dylan Brooks and you know you, you saw what they did at the yeah, um at great. the FIBA tournament that and uh. You know the French team is going to be really interesting since it, it sounds like Wemby is going to play, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like twi- Wemby and Rudy, Go- and Rudy Gobert and like is Batum going to play one last time? Like they, the 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 French the French team is is interesting. Let me ask you this because you you know you you sound like you follow like the NBL reasonably, you know, so, somewhat. What oh, do you think of Alex Sar? What do you think of Alex Sar? Because that's I, a guy that I would expect that Portland would be interested in if they get high enough in the draft. That's somebody I think they like. Yeah, I I, th- I think think of him on defense like like Jaron Jackson Jr., but much stronger that's on offense. That's a comp I've heard. Yeah, but so so imagine okay. like as a rookie, he'll be five years in Jaron Jackson Jr., and that's like just an incredible player. Um, just okay. really strong, like really strong, really versatile. And uh, well, whatever team he goes to, I'm going to love him on that because he can just fit anywhere. And as a rookie, he's probably going to be playing the four. Um, and you, you talk about how it, it's actually interesting he, hearing you say that the the G League Ignite, like when, when they're playing against G League teams, you know, the thing you watch and the thing you hear from draft guys is, hey, they're playing against grown men. And it is, you know, it is a grown men's league. It's not college. Um, but it's interesting to hear you say that, oh, well, you know, these G League Ignite guys, like, yeah, they're getting experience against professionals, but it's also not as strong as the NBA, which is, you know, right. it's 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 a bit of an unfair critique. How do you be as strong as the NBA? But the NBL, I don't, look, I don't know. I, I haven't been in the building. It's, it is a very physical league. And that's is something it, they said about, that's something that, you know, I remember when they when they made the draft. I didn't really know anything about Ryan Rupert when they drafted him, but at his opening press conference, Chauncey Billups was talking about like, 
Yeah, Ryan has played in a very, very physical league in uh, in Australia. So he's, you know, we think he's getting, you know, he's going to have like, so like, mm. it would be pretty funny if for the, for, for two years in a row, the Blazers draft a French guy who played in the NBL. <laughs> that would be pretty funny if that was like what they did two years in a row. Mm-hmm. It, it is a physical league and, and sometimes to its detriment because it's just less flashy. But like yeah. every now and again, Aaron Baines will just get into it with a player or with a referee sure, yeah. and stuff. <laughs> um, is Aaron Baines still kicking around in the NBL? Yeah, he is. He is. Good for it's... him because I know he had some pretty serious health stuff at one point. Yeah, so. at, the, at the Japan, at the Tokyo Olympics. Um, yeah. Uh, look, I, I don't know if he's going to make the boomer squad. Um, it would be good to have a bit more muscle. Um yeah, that that was a that was a crazy story. But yeah, Alex, uh, I I love wherever he's going to go, and I, I hope it's the Portland Trailblazers for your sake. Because yeah, I really think it's a weak draft. That's what everyone's saying. You know, the last week draft had Giannis and Stephen Adams and Victor Oladipo in it, but it's a weak draft. But I think it's very very good at the top. The top might just be the first pick. Yeah. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, cool. Um, all right. Well, just just before we wrap up, I've got one question I like to ask all my guests. But were there any other comments you wanted to talk about the Blazers before we wrap up? No, I think we covered everything. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, um, yeah. The the one question you might have seen this in the run sheet. The one question I like to ask is, uh, you know, when you buy jerseys, you can get those like really like yeah, you know, the really good jerseys that are a couple of hundred dollars and it's like five hundred dollars as opposed to the screen. Yeah, printer. yeah, yeah. If you had to get one of them, or maybe you ha- had to get it as a gift for any any player, past, present, future, um, who would you pick and why? This is a funny question because I love one of my favorite things, and anybody who follows me on Twitter knows this. I love to just if I see a picture uh, or if I see somebody at a game wearing like a super super obscure throw, but like jersey of just like the most random role player that like that's probably the only Jersey of that player that exists. Yeah. I'll take a picture of it and post it. Yeah. But I haven't actually owned or worn any jerseys since I was like a little kid. Fair enough. <laughs> so I'm not the one, I'm not the one to ask about this, but. Uh, let's, let's say you can hang it. You're going to spend $500 to frame it and hang it in your room. Well, it can't be a Blazers player because I don't really, I would feel weird about having a jersey hanging up of somebody from the team that I cover, which is like that gets into kind of weird. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a good. That's, that's a, yeah, I, <laughs> you know who I was a big, I'm just going to, this isn't like, don't hold me to this, but you know who I was a huge fan of when he was on the Nuggets mm-hmm. in 2009 was Birdman. Yeah, yeah, that's Chris a good Andrew. one. That, that's that's a good Chris answer. Andrew. Like my, I'm a Warriors fan. My answer is Murray Spates, just because. Oh yeah, yeah. Like where where do you get a Murray Spates jersey from? I've I've looked. It's very hard to find one. Um, you can't yeah, get so a something like Birdman's one? good, but yeah, you can't you could get, get a custom. One? But then this is all hypothetical. I don't want to spend hundreds of dollars on a jersey that just like you, I haven't worn since I was a teenager. So, well, like you don't want to. But but also like I would think they would sell those because especially you know we're coming up on the ten year anniversary of those first couple of Warriors teams like you would think anybody that was on one of those teams is gonna is gonna you know you 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 could probably get a jersey of yeah except for like I know everybody's getting like the Steph Clay Draymond. On Iguodala, but like you could probably get a Sean Livingston jersey if you wanted to. Yeah, well, Sean Livingston is another one that I've, uh, you know, I've got a framed picture in my room, but I, I want the jersey. But yeah, Sean Livingston and Murray Spade. So is is Birdman Denver Nuggets Beyond. the Silk Denver Nuggets one? 
Oh yeah, it has to be that one. It has to be that one. I liked him as a role player on the Heat too when when LeBron was there. Like I liked that 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 like late career renaissance of his too. I, mm-hmm. that, that was We don't have as many characters like that anymore. Yeah. No, maybe 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 we're just in a lull, you know, up and down. Maybe maybe we're going to get a bunch of characters. Or, and- maybe it's just that everybody now is so like polished and so like you know, you have to have a brand. You have to, you know, everything you do has to be like for social media. Like, uh, there's yeah. no more like. That's brand. why Anthony Edwards is so like, as far as like the younger generation of stars, Anthony Edwards is awesome because he just will say anything and just yeah. Will, you know. I love it when the basket mite picks up him just like talking absolute shit to to Kawhi Leonard or something. <laughs> That's so, so good. It's it's so good. It's like so for, good. No, for I, as much as I love like um, Scoot Henderson following Russell Westbrook, like oh my god, I'm playing with Russell. Like yeah, I do like Anthony Edwards coming in as a rookie and just being like, "Who are you?" Like <laughs> that's great. Yeah, well, because my favorite, my favorite one was uh, when I don't know how familiar you guys are with baseball in Australia, but when do you know who Alex Rodriguez is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, so when Alex Rodriguez bought the um bought the uh, Timberwolves like the same year that Anthony Edwards drafted he did some interview where they were asking him if he like grew up and he and he was talking about like oh i used to be a really good baseball player growing up and they were like well, what do you think about a rod owning owning the team and he was like i don't even know who a rod is and then somebody <laughs> tells him like somebody tells him like oh he was actually engaged to jennifer lopez and he was like whoa really that's crazy <laughs> like like i just i just honestly like, like i think i think a lot of the kids and scoot is like scoot is not as like outlandish of a quote as anthony edwards is but like they have similar energy they're just like super youthful and super like high energy and it's just i i don't know i like i think i think i like i like this younger generation of kids that are are, that are coming into the league i think a lot of them are really interesting Mm -hmm. but but what you're saying is it's going to be hard to get that role player's jersey like maybe maybe the guy right now is now like naz reed like he's he's maybe that we're going to look back on as the most baits and the Birdman sort of guy well, the Blazers, uh, you know, you bla- my, one thing I'll say about Blazers fans is that they will have they will get a role player's jersey. Like <laughs> you go to a game, you're going to you know, you're going to see a lot of Dame jerseys. You're going to see a lot of like Brandon Roy and Clyde Drexler and LaMarcus yeah, yeah. Aldridge and whatever. But like I'm already starting to see Tumani Kamara jerseys yeah. in the crowd. And, like, that's a good. That's you go, good- you know. Like you go to like you know some of some of like the late like I still see Robin Lopez jerseys all the time. I still see like uh, you know there are guys like like a like a Travis Outlaw. I still see a fair amount of those That's like Bonzi Wells. Like yeah. Well, my mate, my mate, um, my mate came around yeah two days ago and picked up some uh picked up some shorts that I had bought for him. And he was wearing a Jaden McDaniels jersey, which I was like, that's that's nice. He's also got a Perry Jones, which he's going to love that I'm telling you. Oh, wow. Oh, that's that's what? Oklahoma <laughs> Oklahoma City, Perry Jones? Yeah, 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 yeah. That is strong. That is, that is strong. And that's one of those ones where, like, I remember he, like, he fell in the draft because he had, like, knee problems or something. And Oklahoma City got him at, like, 27. And anytime one of those teams, anytime a team that's, seen as having a smart front office like Oklahoma City or Miami mm-hmm. or San Antonio whenever they get somebody like late in the draft there's always the like and this was like when the Warriors got Jordan Bell in the second round and it was oh, like how so- did the NBA let Jordan Bell fall <laughs> to the Warriors that's an absolute <laughs> steal just because people give like those those he, he had a five times five in summer league um, that's all I'm saying he did he did he did <laughs> yeah um there's uh when at the like obviously i'm based in australia i've only been to america once in 2019 and i were i was in like new orleans and memphis and i went to the fedex forum in memphis 
And I couldn't mm-hmm. believe that in, and you'll have to tell me if this is what it's like in Portland, but on the wall, they just had all 15 roster spots and they had a jersey for every single player. And I remember sitting there like a, I was still in I was still in university or college and I was just sitting there going, man, should I spend a hundred a hundred dollars on a Wayne Selden the fourth jersey right now? Like that, that's gonna be something that is an incredible one to buy. And I didn't. Um, and then my friend went to was it was in Cleveland a couple of months ago and he saw Golden State at Cleveland and he's like, Oh, Sean, do you want me to get you something? I'm like, Yes, please. Now I'm gonna finally like make up for not being able to get this Wayne Selden jersey. So I text him and I said, can you get me a Dean Wade jersey, right? And he's like, no problems. <laughs> this this guy doesn't follow basketball at all. And then he messages me the next day. He's like, man, I went up to the counter and said, do you have any Dean Wade jerseys? And the dude just looks at me like, no, what what we've, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, I'm really sorry for putting you in that situation. And I thought it was like this. Is, is Portland like that or all 15 roster spots on the wall? No, but you can get a custom one pretty easily yeah. for anybody yeah, yeah. you want. Yeah, yeah, right. All right. Well, um, yeah. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. Just, uh, do you, do you just want to give us a little shout out? Where can people find you? Twitter, socials, Rose Garden Report. Yeah. Well, all of my social media, Twitter, X, uh, Instagram, is just my last name at Hiken H I G H K I N. That's my handle across all those uh, platforms. And then just go to RoseGardenReport.com and sign up for a subscription. You can sign up for free and get some of the stuff. I would encourage people to sign up for the paid subscription because that's how I keep what I'm doing going. And mm-hmm. I like to think that the people who are subscribed to what I'm doing and do sign up for the paid subscription, get their money's worth. I think, I think I've, I, I think, I think I give people a lot of quality for the money. So I would just tell you that if you're I don't know whether you're a Blazers fan or you're just interested in reading about the team as a general NBA fan. I think uh, that, that that was, that's what I, that's where I would direct people towards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. And links to everything you do will be in this episode description. And thanks for coming on the pod. Awesome. Yeah, great to the NBA moves so quickly these days. It's hard to keep up. Shams and Woj are breaking stories left and right, but the quick timeout is right there with them to keep you informed on the latest NBA news. Stop in and let us break it down as it happens. Find the quick timeout on the Deep Two Podcast Network.